Mindfulness Mode, Episode 37. I don't know how I, how I had the feeling that I shouldn't be mad at my bullies. I should be sorry for them. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, today is December 21st. I love this Christmas season, the season of giving, and I want to give back to you for being such faithful subscribers. I'm offering free 20-minute mindfulness coaching calls to any of you who email me with free coaching in the subject line. I'm not selling anything. This is just a chance to talk with me about mindfulness. Email me at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Rob Dial on the line today. Hey, Rob, are you in mindfulness mode? I am absolutely in mindfulness mode right now, Bruce. Great. Rob Dial started in sales at the age of 19. He was promoted to run a franchise with the company at age of 21. Rob grew the franchise into a multi-million dollar office and broke almost every record in the company's 60-year history. Rob has moved on now and does consulting and training for Fortune 500 companies. Rob also runs MWF Motivation Podcast, one of the fastest growing podcasts on iTunes. Mindfulness is a big part of Rob's life and he's recently been meditating in sensory deprivation tanks. Rob, tell us what motivates you. Uh, What motivates me is to wake up every single day and be a better version of myself than I was the day before. Cool. So how do you do that? Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm a a very big reader. And I, you know, if you go back to when you said that I was in, you know, 19 years old, started in sales, and I I wasn't a big reader and and sales made me have to grow it It made me have to become a better person. And at 21, I was running my own office and interviewing and training hundreds of sales reps, some of them being two and three times my age. And in order to do that at 21 years old, I had to read a lot and I had to grow a lot. And my manager always said to me, he always said that you're either green and growing or you're brown and dying. So you can either be growing every single day and becoming a better version, uh, but you can't stay stagnant. If you're staying stagnant, just you're brown and dying at that point. So uh, me being a very competitive person, uh, now that I'm not playing as many sports anymore due to injuries, the, the only real person that I'm competing with is myself. So I want to make sure that when I go to bed every single night that I don't have any regrets and that I could not have done anything better throughout the entire day. Well, I'm absolutely positive that you're not brown and dying. You're green (laughs) and growing. So I'm interested to know how mindfulness plays a role in your life and when that became part of your life. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And and I was thinking about it before this episode and and was kind of thinking, man, when did I when did I really start meditating or, you know, visualizing what I wanted in my life? And actually the very first time I remember visualizing was I had a I was probably twelve or thirteen years old and I was I had a playoff game. It was actually the championship game in basketball. And I was really nervous. I was, you know, the the captain, the star player and I felt like everything depended on me and that I had to have the best game of basketball I'd ever had in my entire life. And my mom could sense that I was nervous. And I remember my mom was big on Tony Robbins and, you know, she's done meditating, but we didn't really speak about it at, you know, 12 or 13 years old. 
But she said to me, she said, if you're so nervous, why don't you just go ahead and take 10 or 20 minutes and visualize the game happening? And, you know, I, I thought it was pretty stupid at that point. But once she d- talked about it and said that, you know, if you go through the entire game before the game actually happens, then you're going to get all of your nerves out and you're going to be much more calm because you've already done it in your mind. And so that was the very first time that I had ever visualized or, you know, used mindfulness. When I really started to put it into a practice, though, I listened uh, or excuse me, I read a book by Brian Tracy. It was called Maximum Achievement. And it was when I was first running my office and I really wanted to win this manager trip that was a, you know, a trip to Vegas and it was a four day trip and it was just super extravagant. And I was, it was my goal for the the sales competition, the four months to hit this, this goal of selling, you know, X amount. I don't even remember how much it was at this point. And so I read Maximum Achievement and he talks a lot about meditating. He talks about mindfulness and visualizing exactly what you want. So it was a practice for me having never really meditated and using as a practice before, I, I made it the practice to start meditating and to visualize for 10 to 20 minutes every single morning and every single night when I would come back from work, what it would be like to win the trip to Vegas, how I would feel, and then what type of stuff I would do in Vegas, even though I had never been there and I was visualizing it. And that's when it really, after I won the competition, I was like, man, I think this actually works. And that's, that's kind of how it started to become a, an actual practice for me. Wow, that's really cool. Brian Tracy is a real inspiration to me. I co-authored a book with him. And he's really? just, yeah, he's just an amazing guy. Loved meeting him. And uh, yeah, he really believes in mindfulness. So you started at that point. You really got the feeling that that worked for you. You got that trip to Vegas. And then tell us where it went from there. Did you start meditating on a daily basis after that? Yeah, that's interesting. So I did and I kept meditating. And then what happened was I decided to change routes. The company I was with, I had been there for six years. And, you know, it's it's funny to think that I had been with the company for six years. And at 25, I was going through like this quarter life crisis where I decided to to leave school. I decided to pursue this as a career. I made a lot of money. I did really well. And I, I read a lot. I meditated. I did all of this stuff. And then once I left, it was interesting. I kind of just stopped doing all of the things that made me really successful. And I felt myself go from, I mean, I, I was at that point in time on top of the world. I was doing, I felt like I was doing everything right in, in finances and personal relationships and business. And then I decided to take a different route. And that big change uh, made me put a lot of practices in the back burner that I used to. So I, I actually took about three years off of meditating. And then I decided to start this podcast and before I started it, I was, I was trying to figure out what the difference was with, you know, what I used to do and what I'm doing at this point in time. And I noticed that meditation was a thing that kind of was on the back burner and I hadn't done it in a while. So what I did was I spoke with one of my best friends, actually my best friend who is, I feel on the same level as me. And, and we're like, you know what? We used to meditate a lot. We should start holding each other accountable and meditating more. So we decided to start meditating and, and looked into it and we looked into binarial beats and, and holosync and we're like, you know, this seems like it could help us a lot. Let's, let's make it our mission to hold each other accountable and start meditating for 10 minutes every day for the next month and let's just see how it works for us. And I started to see my old self come back out and all of the, the work that I was doing before and the way I felt when I was doing all the meditating started to come back and I was like, this is it. 
this meditating thing is something that I need to keep with. And then I listen to a lot of podcasts and it seems like almost every successful person on a podcast, it seems like they say they meditate. And I was like, this is not coincidence. This is something that has to be done in order to be successful. You need to have this 10 to 20 minute quiet meeting with yourself to, to work everything out. And once I've been doing that and, and making sure that I meditate at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, um, it just makes it easier for me to get things done at things like, it seems like the world moves slower that I'm much more clear in everything that I do. And since I've been back on the, the meditating, it's, it's been honestly not in a corny way. It's been life changing. Yeah, Rob, it's really cool that you say that because, you know, I, I found that, uh, when I listened to podcasts, the exact same thing. I thought, like, what is this? Almost everybody is meditating. And yeah. I, I really believed in mindfulness, but it was really noticeable to me. And, and it seemed like people who didn't meditate or people who didn't really have a grip on mindfulness, they were often saying, well, geez, I have trouble with focus. Yeah. They would often say that. So I'm, I'm just thinking here in our audience, uh, Mindful Tribe, we have some people here that are not really sure what binaural beats are. So could you describe that and how that works effectively for you? Sure. So I don't want to butcher the scientific way that it works because I'm not 100% positive, but I do know that it works. So binaural beats is, is something that you have to listen to and I listen to it There's the, actually when I'm working as well. And what it is, is it sends a frequency to each ear that's almost the exact same uh, frequency, but it's a little bit off. So what it's making your brain do is it's making it work a little bit because you're hearing two different things through each ear. And, you know, I use a thing called Holosync, which is it's there's some for just straight meditating. There's some for while you're at work. And uh, in I'm a very skeptical person. I will say this from the from the very beginning. So when I heard about this, I was like, I don't know. This this doesn't sound like something that's really that great. But then I was like, you know what? I'll listen to it because my friend who I was meditating, you know, had the accountability with. He said he was using the one for while he was working, and he's like, he notices a big difference. And he didn't tell me anything further than that. But he's like, listen to this. Tell me if you notice a difference. And so what I did was I would put it on and just I'd put my headphones in and I would listen to it as I was working. And I would notice that I would get stuff done. Like I was so focused as this as I was listening to these binaural beats. And it didn't really click until after the couple hours I was done listening to it. And I was like, wait, that was a really good session of work. I need to look into this. And so we looked into it deeper. And there's, you know, like I said, there's a working sessions. There's one for while you're meditating. And, and basically what it is, is it puts your brain... To when, whenever you're you're meditating, obviously your brains go to certain wavelengths, and I'm not gonna, like I said, try to explain it scientifically. But it's supposed to take your brain to those wavelengths quicker, so that you get into deeper meditation and really beneficial meditation a lot faster. So, for instance, if it takes someone 20 minutes to get into really deep meditation, it might take them if they're listening to binaural beats, you know, four to five minutes, and so you get an extra 15 minutes of really deep meditation. So you don't have to meditate as long, you know, because some people think they have to meditate for an hour or two hours, but you can take 15, 20 minutes in your day and get into really deep meditation just by listening to these binaural beats. Yeah, that is really cool. I've talked to others who've used that and really believe strongly in it. And Rob, I know that you have been meditating in a sensory deprivation tank. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, that was, 
it's, it's, I love talking about this. I'm glad that you brought it up, but because I get into conversations with friends about it and they think that it is something from like a horror movie. I, I had a conversation with my aunt about it when I was back home last week in Florida and we were talking about sensory deprivation tanks. And, and what it is, is this, is you go into this, this tank and it's, it's the same size, the blueprint, the footprint of it is the same size as a queen size bed, the one that I go into and it's seven feet tall. So it's this huge box. And I'm a very claustrophobic person, so I needed to make sure that the sensory deprivation tank I went into was a, was a big box because it shuts. And this one is it's a, it's a massive box. It's seven feet tall. And what it is is it's filled with about 10 to 12 inches of water. And the water has 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt. So when you lay down in it, you're, you just bounce up. And you're floating on top of the water almost. And, uh, and so this one, the one that I go into is a very high tech one. They sell these things for like $40,000, but you know, obviously you can do a one session for an hour or two hours, whatever you want to. And the water is around 93 degrees, which is even though your, your core temperature is 98.6 degrees, by the time the heat's leaving your body, it's around 93 degrees. So the water is at 93 degrees and it's very, very clean. Like these things are super sterile. And the air temperature inside of this, this sensory deprivation tank is kept to 93 degrees as well. So what you do is you go into this tank, you lay down and, you know, you, if you prefer to, you get completely naked and you get into it. So you're feeling nothing. You don't have anything on your body and you lay down, you shut the door and it's soundproof. So you can't hear anything. It's uh, completely black. So you can't see anything. And with it being 93 degrees, you can't really feel where your skin is touching the water and where it's touching the air. So the point of it is to get to complete sensory deprivation. You know, we, however long you've been around for me, 90, you know, for me, it's, it's been 29 years I've been alive. And before doing a sensory deprivation tank, my entire life, I've had some type of stimuli coming into my body through some type of senses for 29 years straight. So my, your body becomes very accustomed and addicted to all of these different things this, you know, I might be sitting quietly in my room meditating without binarial beats, but if I'm sitting down, I'm still feeling the seat under my butt and I'm still hearing, you know, that the traffic go by outside. So this is a chance for you to literally disconnect from the world. And it's, it's interesting that the, co the company that I went to, they have like a, a three for $99. So it was a, a deal to do it. And the reason why they made it cheap to do it was because the first one, your, your first hour, you're kind of getting used to it. Then a couple of weeks later, you come back and you do it again. So the second time I came back, I completely lost senses of my limbs. And it was the craziest feeling I've ever had. And I got into the deepest meditation I've ever had. And all I could feel was my heartbeat just kind of patting the water. And that was it. And I could feel only that for an hour. And the easiest way that I could explain it is it, if you were to take a, you know, a, a, let's just say like a cube of, of salt or a cube of sugar and drop it into water and watch it slowly, you know, melt away. That's exactly how I felt like my body was slowly melting away. And it sounds crazy. And I understand that sounds crazy, but it is after doing it a incredible experience that I recommend every single person does If they just Google, like I'm in Austin, Austin sensory deprivation tanks, wherever you are, you should be able to find them, and they are awesome. That is what I've been told, and I've never yeah. experienced it, but it sounds like something that you really just have to experience. 
Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because some people, because your brain is so used to getting stimuli, constant stimuli your entire life, then when you go into a sensory deprivation tank, I didn't necessarily experience this to an extreme, but some people will start to visualize and have a, you know, a, a slowly kind of like a trippy experience because your brain is trying to make the stimuli that it's become addicted to your entire life. So it's, it's, it's definitely an experience that people should try out. So Rob, once you try this, are you going to want to do it in an ongoing basis, like once a month or something like that? Yeah, the place that I go to, they actually have that where you can do it on an ongoing basis. And it's really, it's just really good for me to go once a month and disconnect um, from the world. And it's, it's crazy because when you come out of it and you have a really deep meditation, it's, it's everything is so much clearer. It's like the, you know, I, you have, they have these showers that are inside of the room. So you take a shower because, you know, obviously you're going to be covered in <laughs> all of this salt that's inside of it, all right. of this salt water. And I would say the, the showers that I have after that are the best showers I've ever had in my life. They have a rain, you know, like the rain showers that come down. Yes. Your senses are so heightened because your senses were just turned off for an hour that everything in the world is incredible to you. So uh, I recommend doing it once a month at least. And, you know, some of these places have like a monthly membership to do so. And it's just really good to disconnect. And, and especially with all the technology nowadays, people don't disconnect at all sometimes. You know, they keep their phone next to them so they get every notification. So it's good just to disconnect and, you know, really take time with just yourself. Right, for sure. Thanks for sharing that with us, Rob. I'm interested in your career as a coach. I know you've been coaching a lot of big names. Tell us about a specific challenge you've faced in your coaching. Maybe someone where you just felt, man, how am I going to motivate this person? How am I going to, how am I going to change their direction to the positive? How have you used mindfulness to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was running an office, I've coached a few thousand people. I've trained a few thousand people. And one thing that I, that took me a long time to realize is that everybody's different and not in the stereotypical way of everyone's different is there's certain personality types and certain people are trying to get certain things out of each day. And I think that one of the books that really, really dove into that for me and and put it all into perspective is a book called Dream Manager. And I, I can't remember who the author is. I think it might be Matthew Kelly, but he just taught it's, it's a story. It's a, a self-help book that's through an entire story. And, uh, I remember having a rep specifically and he had a lot of anxiety issues. And so his, for being a sales rep, that's hard to do sometimes to have anxiety because you have to get on the phone. You have to make phone calls. You have to be hung up on sometimes and, and really go through a lot of stressful situations in that point. And so he had anxiety issues. And I remember this was about the time that I was reading uh, Maximum Achievement and I was starting to meditate. And I said, hey, listen, this is what I've been doing the past few months. I think they would really help you as well. You know, you seem like you're very anxious. And he was like, okay, that's that sounds great. He read the book. He's like, this is exactly what I want to do. And I said, let me hold you accountable because we all know that we need whether it's ourselves or whether it's people around us, we have to have some type of accountability partner to make a big change in our life. And with all this anxiety that he had, I saw within the 30 days, it was all I said was start at 10 minutes in the morning. And then, you know, if two weeks down the line, it's, it's, you want to go a little bit further, we'll go to 20 minutes, we'll go to 30 minutes. By the end of the 30 days, he meditated every single day and went from 10 minutes to 30 minutes. And his anxiety completely dropped 
because of the fact that he decided to start taking control of his mind versus just letting everything happen to him. And his, I, I, he went from a very anxious person to, I would say, having almost no anxiety. He could get on the phone, make phone calls. People could hang up on him. He could have no sales. And it was just, it was just another day at the office for him. And I spoke to him actually about two weeks ago. It was the first time I spoke to him about five years. He still meditates. He's super successful. And it's good to see that, that something that small uh, can really change somebody's life you know, yeah. over the course yeah. of five or six years now. Yeah, what a great story. And in 30 days, his life yep. has changed. Yeah, it's yeah. just a, a habit that's that's created. And it's, a, it's I feel like it's a habit that people want to create. But for some reason, they feel really weird sitting down and meditating. And, you know, they just it, meditating, I feel like, has such an odd connotation in the world nowadays. Um, but I think it's starting to come out as as a really big part of successful people and a really big part of being successful. I think so too. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to create my podcast and bring the idea of mindfulness and meditation to the mainstream so that we don't think of it that way. Rob, I know that you're very devoted to the idea of mindfulness. Have you ever had any challenges? Have you ever had any times when you thought, man, this is just discouraging? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason why is because people myself included, go into meditating as they go into meditating as they need to sit there and need to be completely quiet and their mind is supposed to turn off. And they're supposed to see a black screen and that's what meditating is. And the reason why that's discouraging is because that's near impossible to do for us nowadays until you get to, you know, like the absolute highest level of meditation is when you start to completely turn off. And I had a, uh, it was actually, we were just talking about Hal Elrod a little while ago. I was at Hal Elrod's conference last year and, uh, they brought in uh, a mindfulness coach and a meditation teacher and she walked us through it. And it was insane. The, the, the depth of meditation that I got to in the 20 minutes that this lady was on stage and I realized that meditation isn't about seeing a blank screen. It's more than anything else, taking time to be with yourself. And for me, meditation, sometimes I get into real deep meditation. I don't think about anything at all. And then the, the 20 minutes is up and the, the music stops for the binarial beats. And I'm like, oh, that was really good. And, and everything's really clear. But I feel like most of the time for me, you know, 60, 70% of the time for me, it is, it is the best planning session that I have. And the reason why I love to meditate in the morning is because it clears out all of the stuff that's around me. It clears out, you know, work. It clears out everything. And I can sit there and have a planning session with myself. And, and I don't try to make myself think of certain things, but subconscious stuff will subconsciously come up. And I'm like, oh man, I should do this. This is a really, I think the best ideas that I have my podcast idea, the reason why I came up with MWF Motivation was I was meditating and I was like, I, you know what? I really miss coaching people and I really think that I have a lot of value to give to the world because I'm trying to become better, like I said, every single day. So I was like, I think that I could probably start a podcast and people might like this podcast because I can tell, take them through my journey and you know, success tips that I gave to thousands of people that I was coaching over the years. And uh, the salespeople, and, and I, I thought of it during 
a meditation session and in it's these all of these ideas where I think that it's in the back of your mind, but meditation brings it to the forefront. And I don't know if anybody else is like this, but when I get done meditating, I always have a notepad with me because some of my best ideas happen during meditation. So I think that when you ask, did I ever struggle with it? I struggled with it when I didn't know what it was and I had the wrong expectations. Um, but now that I have the right expectations of, you know, this is what meditation is. I'm just going to let it happen. If nothing else happens, I get 20 minutes with myself to just turn the world off and be quiet. Um, but now that I have the, the correct expectations and, you know, sometimes I'll get some great deep meditation. Sometimes it'll be a really good planning session with myself. Now that I, now I don't have that struggle, it's much easier to meditate every single day because I don't feel at the end like I failed if I didn't have a blank screen in front of me the entire time. Right. Mindful Tribe, take note of what Rob said about keeping a notebook handy because, yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's so much easier than fumbling with a device of some kind. And, you know, you just want to jot down a quick idea. And a lot of times those ideas can be some of the best ideas ever. And speaking of ideas, Rob, tell us more about your podcast. I know you've interviewed some really interesting people and your podcast is really rocking it. Tell us more. Yeah, um, it's it's been a very a very positive thing for me because when I was when I had my own office and I was training hundreds of people, I realized that even though I was making really good money, it it was more about the feeling of helping people uh, be successful. It wasn't about my success; it was about other people's success and seeing the change in their life. Like the you know the example I gave you of the sales rep that started meditating and lost his anxiety and right. And just the feeling of I'm doing something good in the world. And like I said, I was, I was meditating one day and thought, you know, I should have a podcast. I feel like I've got a lot to give the world. Um, I've learned a lot over the past 10 years. I read a lot. You know, I, I try to read a book a week. And so I have a lot of information I think I can give out. And I'm on this journey of, you know, of life with everyone else. So it's, it's good to, I think, hear from somebody who's also struggling with certain things as well. And so I decided to start the podcast. And, you know, I was super excited to, I got 44 downloads in my first day. And I was so excited about that. And, you know, now it's been eight weeks down the road, and I'm getting a few thousand downloads a day. And, and it's, and it's just crazy for me that, that I'm getting all of this great reception. And people are just like, this is, this is really helping me. And, and even though, like I said, there's, there's, there's no, there's no monetization or I'm not trying to make money off of it or do all these types of things. I'm just trying to put it out there in the world because I feel that a lot of people, they either don't know their potential or they know their potential. They just don't want to go for it. And I want to try to be a catalyst for change. And I think that if we all work towards our dreams uh, that's the way everyone is going to be happy. And I think that's the way that we kind of cure all of the problems that we have is if we go what we're, we go out and work for what we're passionate for, we find our life purpose and, uh, and work towards it and find something that like the, the episode I put out today, something that's worth dying for, you know, it's something that we believe in so much that we couldn't stop doing if, you know, we had a gun to our head because it is, it is that important to us. So I want people to find out what, what they're alive for and I want them to work towards it and I want them to, you know, get to the end of their life and say, you know what, I did everything that I could and I lived the happiest that I possibly could. And if I can help in some sort of way with that, 
then I think that by the time I get to the end of my life, I'll feel the exact same way. And Rob, that's really admirable. It really is to be inspiring and helping people that way. Rob, I'm passionate about bullying prevention, and I'm wondering if you have a story about bullying of some kind that you can share with us and maybe how mindfulness played a role. Yeah, um, I will put it this way. When I was younger, it's I would have never thought that I had a podcast. I would ever be you know, a professional speaker or coach anybody or do any of these things because I was I was very shy when I was younger. I learned to to close off. Um, and the reason why was because, you know, I grew up in a a great family, but, you know, lost my father to, you know, he was an alcoholic. And so I learned to close off uh, more than anything else. And uh, I think mindfulness helped me. I was bullied a lot. And I remember, I remember specifically one kid that would bully me all the time. And this was in high school. And this is before I decided to make a change in and try to become a better person and improve upon myself. And I was bullied all the time. And one thing that really helped me being bullied when I was younger was that I always knew that there was something greater in this world for me and that I was going to become something greater. And being able to, looking back, I was, I was very mindful, but didn't know I was mindful. I was very much the type of person that would sit on the back porch and, you know, just look at everything that was happening. And, and in that time, because of the fact that I, I said my mom taught me to visualize, I would always visualize what I was going to be. And I remember my mom, you know, talking about dream boards and those types of things when I was younger. So mindfulness helped me when I was bullied because I realized that it was only a phase that I was going through, or maybe I was smaller and maybe I was weaker than these people. And maybe I had never been in a fight and I don't want to get into a fight because I'll probably get beat up. So it was, it was great for me to be able to be mindful and to visualize at that point in time because I knew that that stage I was going through was just a stage and that these bullies probably had their own problems going on. You know, I was coping with my father's death. They were probably coping with something else to make themselves feel better. And being mindful for me and being younger at that point, uh, knowing that this was a stage in my life and that was a stage in their life as well, I don't know how I how I had the feeling that I shouldn't be mad at my bullies. I should be sorry for them because the way that they're coping with whatever problem they're they're going through is by taking it out on me. And the the mindfulness and the way of sitting down on my back porch and looking at we had orange trees in my backyard. That was my way of of disconnecting and thinking about it and realizing, you know what, maybe I'll get bullied. But eventually down the road, my life is going to be great. And this is the way I'm coping with it. My bully is coping with it this way. And just take it as I is. And once I started thinking of it that way, uh, it was interesting because I remember specifically months, a couple months down the road, just I was not bullied anymore. And I don't know if I just put that out into the universe or whatever it was, but it was, it was interesting because it was just like it, it, it disappeared. And, you know, bullying didn't affect me anymore. I wasn't bullied. So I would say if there's anybody out there, if there's younger people who are bullied or people who are bullied at work, because it still happens, um, don't, don't be down on yourself about it. Realize that you should probably feel sorry for those people uh, because they have something that's, that's working in their mind that's they're coping and their way of coping is taking it out on someone else. That's how they you know, short in a short period of time, make themselves feel better. 
Um, so I think if you could be mindful about that or if you know a child who's being bullied and you have that type of conversation with them, I think that it puts the world into perspective and it makes it much easier to go through those types of situations. Well, Rob, I can tell you obviously share my belief that that mindfulness can really help prevent bullying and help deal with bullying. That's great. Rob, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who's one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Uh, I would say Tony Robbins is probably the the main one uh, because he has got all these videos of his morning rituals, his mindfulness, and you know, I make it my practice every morning to wake up. I get coffee. I sit on my back porch and I watch the sunrise and then I get to work. And then a little bit longer, I, I meditate down the road. So I would say hearing Tony Robbins and his morning rituals has really been the big key for me. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, I am so much calmer. Um, I, I feel like I feel like <clears throat> mindfulness and meditating is kind of like a a gives you a bulletproof vest for things that happen around you. It seems like once you're, you've meditated and you become calm, that nothing really affects you that much because you just kind of take life as it is. It, it slows the world down for you and it makes it a lot easier to cope with, you know, the person who cuts you off on the road or something. Yeah, that's a great feeling. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Um, well, whenever I have any type of big call, whether it's with a client uh, whether it's before this interview, uh, I always take five minutes. So 10 minutes before the call, I'll always take five minutes and just breathe deep, slowly close my eyes. I don't have to meditate or anything like that, but try to slow myself down, slow my heart rate down so that I can be as concentrated as possible before I go into an interview or an important sales call or a consulting call or whatever it might be. Rob, if you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? Uh, the book that I think I would recommend is, I think it's called, I, I have it next to me. I just finished it about a month ago. It's called, I think it's called Wherever You Go, There You Are. Right. Yeah, that's a great book. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? Yeah, I used uh, an app called Headspace uh, for for quite a while. Before I got into Holosync, I used Headspace. I used to, uh, one of the things that I love to do is is to meditate in my hammock. And, uh, and so what I'll do is I'll take my portable hammock, I'll go to a park, um, there's a park that's right next to me, and I'll put it in between two trees, and I would, would listen to Headspace and, and go through meditation while sitting in my hammock. Great. What advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Just do it. Just try it. I think that, that once you try it, make a commitment for a week to just do 15 minutes. You know, that's, that's not that much time out of your day, uh, out of your life for something that could potentially be life-changing. And we talk about so many successful people that meditate. So uh, the tip that I would give is don't go into it expecting to be some, you know, expecting to be Buddha the very first time. Just go into it and just enjoy the quiet time with yourself uh, and enjoy disconnecting from technology and all of the crazy stimuli that comes into our worlds every single day. Rob, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today, and I'm really inspired by everything you're doing. How can we learn more about you and contact you? Yeah, uh, you can go to MWF Motivation. So it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when it comes in. So that's MWFMotivation.com. 
Uh, or I'm on iTunes, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on SoundCloud. If you look up MWF Motivation, no spaces at all. MWF Motivation, you'll be able to find all of my podcasts. You can go to my website and you know you can get our ebook if you want to, however you want to connect. And uh, uh, if you want to connect and send me an email directly, it's rob at mwfmotivation.com. Great. Thanks, Rob. It's been awesome talking with you today. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.